The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, October 29th, and this is your serviceable and intriguing waiver wire pickups episode. We will be talking some familiar names with new teams or an increased role on their former teams, plus a rookie in Orlando who is consistently getting it done, and much more. I am joined by Dr. A, and we will shortly be joined once again by the writer of the waiver wired column on NBC Sports Edge, Jonas Nader, who Appears to have just had a catastrophic internet meltdown, but is re-entering the fray right now. Jonas is back. Jonas, if you see a certain glimmer in Steve's eye, and I think as I look, I can see it, I think that's because he's going to a uh, World Series match later this evening. Steve, is is that right? Well, if it's not rained out, we're going to the World Series game. And I just watched uh, watched the, the basically noon forecast on TV, and it sounds like... Okay. Might sure. rain a little bit, but they're going to play the game. As far as I can tell, it's a red yeah. out. You're supposed to wear red. I've got my red on. I'm ready to go, Matt. Good. And I'm looking out the window here in Atlanta, and I, I think you're looking good, Steve. I think you're looking good. The rain has subsided. I think you're going to be in good shape. You have your parking situation sorted out? Oh, yeah. Good. We we scored a nice little spot there. Well, I'm... Uh, I hope you have a really great uh, experience. I don't even have anything sarcastic to say. Go get that win, Steve. Me too. Thanks, Matt. Let's win. How about that? Yeah. Jonas, uh, do you care one iota about the sport of baseball? Nope. I've never seen a full game in my life. Um, I just don't have the time for it. I mean, I watch so much basketball. I watch so much soccer. Um, I even watch some track here and there. I just, I can't. There's just not enough time in the day, especially with kids now as well. Uh, and before I get started, I do want to note, this is not a bathroom, everyone. I saw the comments. I just moved into a new house. There's no decorations yet. There's still boxes everywhere. So if you hear a toilet flush, then yes, I'm lying. But no, this is not a bathroom. <laughs> Until that toilet flushes, there is no exactly. proof that that is a bathroom. Thanks I think that's that fair. I think, I think every- when Schefter was on, he was sitting like in a room, like he was like, on a windowsill, like right outside of his basement stairwell or something. Like he was in a he was in an odd spot as well. Yeah, it was almost like the call came in and he just like grabbed the phone and started rolling. But he was he was ready to roll, <laughs> just like wherever he happened to be at the at the moment. Yeah, he just stopped right there. I respect that. Uh, all right, Jonas is not in a bathroom. Steve and I are not in bathrooms. We are here to talk waiver wire pickups. We will start. I propose in Dallas with. A guy I like to call Jalen Brunson, who early on has seen actually a pretty consistent role under new coach Jason Kidd and is looking like a, quite a strong source of assists off the waiver wire. Jonas, what caught your eye about Brunson? Yeah, he's probably their second best player right now. Obviously, Przingis had a rough start and now he's hurt. Um, I don't mean second best player. I mean second most impressive, I should say. Uh, he's getting a lot of run off the bench. We're looking at 34, 35 minutes some nights. Like, Especially with assists being such a premium this year on the wire, like... I have a number one ad for that reason. 
I mean, he's doing a little bit of everything except for steals and blocks. He's not going to do that. If you look at his history, like steals and blocks are not right. Brunson's thing, but points, threes, assists, like you're locking that in. He's going to play a big role. Maybe we can get him on the leadership council soon. I would like to see him on the leadership council. In fact, I would like to be on the leadership council as well. If you guys don't know what we're talking about, you can <laughs> you can simply Google it or or read the the Mavs notes on the site. But uh, Jason Kidd played all 15 guys the other night because the leadership council, the secret leadership council within the Mavericks, told him to do that. Um, yes. Yeah. It's 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 almost too good to be true. He, we, we do need to get him on the leadership council, but I, I wrote about him in today's daily dose. Like he, he's played well, almost every game this season. And like Jonas said, he's, he's really been out. He's probably been their most consistent player really. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's an automatic pickup. 13 points per game, five boards per game, 5.8 assists. Those are the assists we're talking about. 2.03 is he is as we were, as we record this podcast, 33% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Next gentlemen, we head to Orlando to a guy we've already talked about some already this week. We may have mentioned him last week at this time briefly. I can't remember, but that's rookie Franz Wagner. The number eight overall pick has been really consistent. Jonas, what landed Wagner in your column? Jonas has frozen again. The internet is the internet is out in the bathroom. Uh, Steve, in Jonas's bathroom. Franz Wagner. I'll just start this by saying thirteen point six points. 3.6 boards, 1.8 assists, 1.0 steals, 0.8 blocks, 2.03. Is a kid is shooting 51.9 from the field, double digits every single game, 40% rostered. What's not to like here, Steve? You know, I, I kind of joked about him early on in the season, but he's he looks real and number eight pick, right? Number eight, yep. And four games for Orlando this week. Uh, that's magic to my ears. He should be, along with Brunson, uh, one of the top pickups. I totally agree with Jonas on that. And for the record, Jalen Brunson and the Mavericks only play three times this week. Wagner plays four times. That, to me, if I'm making a choice between those two guys today, I'm probably rolling with four games. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because we talked about Jalen Suggs uh, so much before the season. Turns out Wagner has been, so far, the uh, most reliable Orlando rookie. And... uh I mean, I, I find myself thinking about, oh, what, what happens when Isaac and Okiki are back? Does he does, do his minutes get squeezed? I mean, I think we're at this point, you know, again, as we like to say here, I think we said this a few times last week, we'll cross that one, that bridge when we get there, Steve, uh, when it comes to Wagner. I feel like we'd be, we've been saying, you know, what's going to happen when John Isaac comes back for literally like three years? So Right. What's going to happen when Jonas, what's going to happen when Jonas comes back? We're about to find out because here he is, Jonas, what a, what a morning it's been already. What an afternoon. It's been pretty nasty weather all night. My internet's been jacked up since and they're installing fiber optic as we speak and it's just been a disaster all day. So I'm using the satellite internet today and boy, it's bad. So we'll have to see how this goes. Okay. Well, we've already we just covered Franz Wagner. Do you have any? Uh, what are your, what are your? Give us your quick uh, thoughts on him. Young player on a bad team. That's a recipe for fantasy success. I mean, he's showing a versatile stat set across the board. So, uh, no complaints from me. I think he's number two, number three after me this week. We don't often, or I certainly don't often, go running after players who aren't going to score double digit points. Especially, I mean, I, I guess I make an exception. You know, if it's like a boards and blocks guy, but. Alex Caruso is looking like a guard who may not hit double-digit points, who is an exception when it comes to the waiver wire, Jonas. Tell us about Caruso's appeal. 
uh, three steals per game, doing a little bit of blocks as well, uh, about three assists per game as well. So, yeah, big plays for the Bulls. Uh, I like Crusoe. I think he's a low-end ad. The steal rate's not sustainable, but, yeah, add him right now. Yeah, I think the Lakers miss his defense, actually, and um, he's playing a lot of minutes for the Bulls. Like you said, Matt, he's not scoring a lot of points, but um, he's sort of like – it looks like he's this year's version of T.J. McConnell who basically led the league in steals last year. Wasn't a huge score, hit hit the threes when he was open, though, and and played really well. I kind of feel like that's where we are with Caruso. Uh, Bulls only played three games this week, but if you uh, – you know, if Brunson and Wagner are gone, I think picking up Caruso makes sense. Caruso is 44% rostered. You, you mentioned this year's version of T.J. McConnell. I'm kind of missing last year's version of T.J. McConnell, Steve. <laughs> Well, you have him in, in Alex Caruso, so. Yeah. Uh, so overall for Caruso, we've been looking at 8.4 points, 3.6 dimes, the three steals that Jonas mentioned, 0.6 blocks, 1.23s, and you are raising your hand. You know, speaking of last year's McConnell, with Malcolm Brogdon now out with a, with a hamstring injury, there's no reason that we shouldn't get uh, last year's T.J. McConnell this week. Uh, as long as Brogdon's out, I think he has to step up his game. So McConnell's a guy, ironically, that you should probably keep a close eye on over the next couple of days. And this year's Chris Duarte continues to have a safe floor, you would think, with Karis, even with Karis LeVert coming back. We talked about the possibility of that Brogdon injury on the Wednesday show. I think we were talking about his shoulder, but now it's a hamstring. I mean, Brogdon is a very good player who has had a really hard time staying on the floor, and uh, it's showing up again this year. Who's next? Next up, we will continue to Grayson Allen, Steve, and we're gonna Jonas has uh, has dropped for the time being, so we're gonna keep uh, hitting on the names in his column. Grayson Allen has hit double digit points in all five games for the Bucks. We're looking at thirteen point two points, Steve, four rebounds, one point eight assists, one point zero steals, two point eight threes, just zero point four turnovers for Allen. I guess my question with him is, you know, can he be more than just a points and threes guy? He's right on the line. I mean, you don't hate four boards, a couple of assists, and a steal. Yeah, uh, I I don't know if he can be more than points and threes, but so far he's been better than I thought he was going to be. Of course, Dante DiVincenzo is not back yet. I think when that return happens, it could be lights out for Grayson Allen. So I'm not as excited about going and grabbing him as I am some of the other guys we talked about. Uh, but he is playing well. He's He's been a little better than Pat Connaughton, uh, which kind of surprised me a little bit. Milwaukee, for the record, Matt, three games this week. Three games this week. Jonas has returned dramatically again. Jonas, yeah. we were just uh, <laughs> talking a little Grayson Allen. Your thoughts? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so one key stat jumped out for me with Grayson Allen. He's at like close to nine three-point attempts per game. Wow. Um, and he's not even shooting the ball well right now. So last two seasons, he was at 40%. So if we get some positive regression there, we're talking about three to four triples per game. So, yeah, I'm all in on Allen. We still need to have a timetable for Dante DiVincenzo. So huge runway here. I'm adding, and we'll cross that bridge with, with about Dante when it gets here. So I love Grayson. 2.83s already, and you said not even shooting well. So that is, uh, that is an intriguing one right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a player who... 
And by the way, Allen is 27% rostered in Yahoo leagues. We've been talking about guys who are kind of in the 30 to 40 range so far, but this is a guy who's way more available than that, and that will be Bruce Brown of the Nets. 8% rostered, barely played the first couple of games, I think a total of four minutes, Jonas, but now it looks like he's becoming a, a much bigger part of this Nets rotation. Do we think that's going to last? Uh, I think so. So when they asked Coach Nash about uh, why he wasn't playing to begin the season, he said, we want to explore some bigger lineups. And that was really a hint that we want to see if we can get Claxton really going. Um, and as much as I love Claxton, he just didn't hit the ground running. Uh, a rough start. LaMarcus Aldridge looks like a fossil. Blake Griffin's washed. Paul Millsaps needs to retire tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, they're going back to their smaller lineups that they had success with against Milwaukee. So Bruce Brown can play a little center on offense for them. Uh, he's a really nice cutter. Uh, he can do a little bit of everything in the stat sheet as well, except for shoot threes. Um, and his last two games, he's at 11 points, five rebounds, 1.3 steals, 0.7 blocks, and one triple. So a really strong player in the minutes are there. Yeah, I was a Bruce Brown guy last year. Like he, I just like uh, the steals and the blocks. And it seems like he's very consistent with those. It's not like they come in bunches. It's it's He's just consistent. And uh, I, I really wasn't feeling him this year because those first couple of games he didn't play at all, like Jonas said. But now that the Nick Claxton experiment is – it's not winding down, but it's its certainly uh, waning a little bit. I think, I think Brown's good to go. Brooklyn, for the record, three games next week. So it's going to – if you pick up Bruce Brown, you're going to have very – uh, very low scoring out of him, but you would get some steals and some blocks. Key distinction there, Steve. It's not winding down. It's waning. I, I appreciate the, the yeah. subtlety there. Thank you. I, I went to college uh, for a reason. By the way, I mean, yeah, it's weird that that uh, Nets front court of uh, Paul Millsap, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Blake Griffin isn't just dominating. It's would have thought. Yeah, yeah, strange stuff. Watch out, big three, though. Here they come. <laughs> the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. We now move back to Dallas, actually. Uh, all over the place geographically here. Dorian Finney-Smith, Jonas, you wrote about him. He's been getting some things done for the Mavs. I mean, we always think about Dorian Finney-Smith as this, like, serviceable fantasy guy right especially like a kind of a deep league gem like he's not gonna he's not gonna wreck your team but he's never gonna really go off but i've noticed maybe uh dorian finney smith granted only i think four games but almost showing a little bit more ceiling in a couple of areas than i was expecting jonas so what are your thoughts 
Yeah, I love DFS. Now, a lot of people went and added Maxi Kleber, and I think that's a mistake because when Przingis does get back, Kleber is the one that takes the big hit. DFS is going to play 30-plus minutes even with Przingis back. So uh, we're getting a little more upside without Przingis in the meantime. Uh, and last year, he was at almost 12 points, 7 rebounds, 2 assists, uh, 1.2 steals, 0.5 blocks, and 2.3 triples without Przingis on the court. So that's some monster upside. Uh, yeah, you can call him boring when KP plays, but DFS is one of those guys that always finds a way to finish in, around that top 100 range. Just uh, quiet production across the board. So I love him at the end of my roster right now. Jonas, I don't know if you were trying to hurt my feelings or not, but the whole uh, big mistake for picking up Maxi Kleber, he had 12 points, 10 rebounds, 5 blocks. Uh, or was it 6? I mean, like long-term, I mean. No, I, I know what you're saying. I, know, I think, like you said, once, once Porzingis comes back, um, yeah, Kleber goes on the shelf, but DFS keeps going because DFS is more of a small forward than a power forward. So I, I agree with you. But if you did pick up Maxi Kleber on a whim and played him that one night, uh, what a game! Four threes, six blocks, ten boards. It's crazy. Yep. Huge. Yeah, the thing about Dorian Finney-Smith is, I kind of alluded to this, but so nine points per game so far, but the, the areas where he's kind of maybe overachieving or surprising us, seven and a half rebounds, 1.3 steals, 0.8 blocks, 1.33s in those 32 minutes per game. So that's what I'm really watching. Can he keep those elevated? We know he's not going to be a huge score, but can he keep those elevated supporting stats, which are better than what we've seen in recent years? And I think he can as well. Yeah, yeah, interesting. I mean, I, I just, I wonder what has change other than a new coach yeah i'm not too sure he's not a leadership council so i'm not sure where the spike in production is coming from but i'll have to look more into it but yeah i, I love dfs i mean <laughs> i love Steve the leadership Lee. council so much i kind of picture like when you say that like he's not a leadership council like dfs and like brunson kind of peering through the window <laughs> like of the leadership council meeting trying to kind of what, what do you think is going on in there how do we get moses brown on there that's what i want to know uh, man it's it's tough it's only three people right yeah yeah tough to get in there it's probably tough to be removed as well probably a lot of hurt feelings like why wasn't i put on the leadership council? yeah, yeah. we have our own leadership council going on right here look at this <laughs> jared johnson right now is so mad that he's not on the leadership council <laughs> jonas you wrote up a couple of spurs wings and that would be devin vassell who's 19 percent rostered lonnie walker 36% rostered. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on both of these guys, but I also want to ask you, in a hypothetical situation where both of these guys are available, which would you prioritize? Who would you prioritize? So if I'm reaching for upside, I'm going to go Vassell, right? Like yeah. long-term, you can make an argument that Vassell may have the longest upside of anyone on the team. And that's that's me. I love DeJounte Murray. I love Derek White. But Devin Vassell, as a two-way wing, like his long-term upside is through the roof. Um uh, he was kind of a, a secret last year because Popovich doesn't play rookies. I mean, look at Josh Primo. He's in the G League right now. He just doesn't play rookies. Uh, but Spurs are rebuilding. Everyone knows it. Um, even though they've outperformed a little bit this year, like Vessel is going to get opportunities. And we have two more games at least without Doug McDermott. And this could be a situation where Vessel plays these minutes, earns these minutes, and then holds on to them, right? He doesn't necessarily have to give them back. Like we could see a, a situation where Brent Forbes or Lonnie Walker loses their minutes for Vessel. So, I think Vizzo has a long-term upside, but I think Lonnie Walker has the safer floor because his shot volume is through the roof right now, honestly. Matt, you're not going to believe this, but I'm on board with both of those guys. And, and actually, I wrote in today's dose, I was like, this sounds weird to say, but I kind of like 
the Spurs, like DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Jacob, Jakob Pertl, Lonnie Walker, Derek White, and Devin Vassell. All of those guys are worth having on fantasy teams right now. De- DeJounte's stat lines have been uh, just sick, basically. Mm-hmm. And then Lonnie Walker, I think, has been very surprising. Uh, the shot volume is surprising to me. I'm surprised he's, he's doing as well as he is. And then, like Jonas said, Devin Vassell – is can be and is a steals machine and it's all upside for him. So I, I think Vassal should be uh, maybe the hottest pickup, one of the hottest pickups this week. Cause I think you're going to want to have him on your team uh, come mid season. And for all those guys, I just mentioned, they all play four games this upcoming week. So it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a good week to be a spur. Wow. It's Jonas. See how this works, Steve for like, over a decade can't stand the Spurs. They get off to a one yeah. and four start. They're they're arguably bad, and he's like, man, I kind of I kind of like this team now. <laughs> yeah. Well, DeRozan's gone, so I don't blame him. He was so boring. <laughs> Devin Vassell. So just to quickly lay out the numbers: twenty five minutes a game, eleven points, just over four boards, one point four steals, two point oh three. So that's that steal upside that you guys mentioned. Lonnie Walker. 26 minutes per game, he's at 15 points, just over three boards, around three dimes, 0.8 steals, and 2.43. So for me, I agree it's Vassell over Walker just because Walker is is dangerously close to a points and threes only guy. And that's just not yeah. that's not a bad pickup to make, especially in a deeper league. But if you're still swinging for upside early in the season, go for the guy who can be a two steals per game guy if he gets enough minutes. Yeah, Lonnie's basically a caffeinated Terrence Ross. <laughs> That's, that works for me. That definitely works for me. Uh, so, Jonas, uh, you also wrote up uh, Damian Lee of the Warriors, who has been doing some things, but is is uh, not in Devin Vassell's universe when it comes to steals. I think zero steals so far for right. Damian Lee. But otherwise, he's doing some things for the Warriors. What are your thoughts? Yeah, zero steals and zero blocks through five games. So not much upside here, but just pure streaming-wise, that's fine. But we should have a, a warning here because every time we said a warrior is going to go off and do well, we've missed on Otto Porter so far. We've missed on Nemanja Belica. Uh, right. They keep tricking us because they keep rotating this fifth or sixth guy in the rotation. So tread with caution here. But right now, Lee definitely has the hot hand. 14 points, three boards, one dimes, and 2.4 triples. Uh, but no long-term upside. Plays back probably in January, February. So uh, this is only a short-term ad. Yeah, and I mean, he's basically threes and points, yeah. and that's it. But, uh, you know, he has scored in double figures every every game this season, I believe. If you need somebody who can score, um, I think Lee's a decent pickup. But he's just not an all-around fantasy player. Warriors play three times this week, so that's not ideal. Either I did watch that Warriors game last night. Did anyone happen to catch Ja Morant's spin move on Andrew Wiggins that left Wiggins just like standing there looking for a ghost? It was it was amazing. I saw Ja hit a deep three and just do this dance in the middle of the paint, just just kind of hanging out, dancing like in the Warriors' faces right after hitting it. And uh, I immediately thought of Jared Johnson for some reason. Well, Matt, it's a good thing that you and I didn't go on a podcast and totally destroy John Moran this year or anything because, I mean, he's only only a top 10 fantasy player yeah. now. Uh, I think I'm st- – okay, well, yeah, I, I may still be winning my uh, assist bet with Jared. I have to double check. Um, I may still be winning that bet. But, yeah, he's been – I do think we left the door open for the possibility that he would be much better than we were giving him credit for, though, Steve, if I remember correctly. Yeah. 
And he was ranked in the 200s last year somehow, which I still still doesn't make a ton of sense. But man, he he looks he looks amazing. And I mean, I'm I'm kind of sad I don't have a lot of jaw in my lineups. Jonas, are there any other plays or pickups or streamers that you feel like we should mention uh, toward the end here? I have two. Did you talk about Darius Bassley when my internet went out for a walk? We didn't, but but that is one I'm interested to talk about, so let's do it. Yeah, I think he's interesting because basically the entire industry was out on this guy, me included, mm-hmm. this year because he was just so bad last year. Very low steals, very low blocks, terrible percentages, high turnovers, was basically a points, rebounds, and like a couple assists guy. But uh, it seems like the light's coming on a little bit for him. Um, that game versus Anthony Davis, that comeback, 26-point comeback win – Basley was the engine. Obviously, SGA's third quarter was huge, too, but Basley was their best player that night, in my opinion. Swatted an Anthony Davis shot, had a step back three over him. So, showed the full arsenal that game. I'm cautiously in, I think, here at the risk of my percentages, but I think there's upside here. Like, they're not really playing poku right now. They asked uh, their coach, Mark Dejanel, like, what's going on? It's like, we don't have a rotation right now. We're just playing all of our young guys as much as we can. Um, but... He's going to play big minutes. Um, if the steal and block thing hold, that's huge for his value. So I think there's upside here. Jonas and Matt, I just pulled up uh, Jonas and my conversation from Wednesday night at 11.17 p.m. I said, I don't know why, but I love Baisley. <laughs> and Jonas said, ha, same. I can't quit him. <laughs> so, we, yeah, I Jonas and I have a, a, a weird love of, of Darius Baisley. Um, and like you said, last year he was more KPJ, um, Kevin Porter Jr., where he'd just kill you in so many categories. Uh, and I remember, Matt, I remember talking about Darius Baisley with you and Rosenworcel when I was on a yacht uh, in Florida in April. And you guys just couldn't get on board with me, which, which I understand because he was wrecking fantasy teams. But this year, it, it does feel like the lights come on a little bit and uh, – I am excited about him. I like he's a guy I'll fire up in DFS if the Thunder are playing every time. By the way, I I drafted Baisley in some leagues last year. I don't know if you guys remember, but he was absolutely had that electric stretch in the bubble, mm-hmm. which I'm pulling up right now. I mean, it was a short sample size, but he was real well, I may have a hard time pulling it up. He was really he really showed something there for a minute in the NBA bubble, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was hitting uh, last year right there too. Last year was a big letdown. He's over a steal and a block per, or at or over a steal and a block per game so far this year. Shooting below 40%. That's not great. I don't think we are seeing high volume on his bad free throw shooting, though. So that, and he's not, I don't think he's going to be a high turnover guy, Jonas. So maybe we can get by. It's just bad field goal shooting. Yeah. Maybe that's the one, you know, hopefully. Three games for Baisley. And by the way, you mentioned Mark Dagnall uh, said he doesn't have a rotation, probably does not have a leadership council either, if that's, that's right. the case, I'm guessing. <laughs> or maybe he does. Maybe the leadership council said no rotation, no rotation, just play, just free flowing. Yeah. Possible. Adam Silver needs to step in and make every team have a three man <laughs> secret leadership council. And it has to be secret. Like, no, no one can know who's on the leadership council. And they make all the decisions. Do we not know who's on the Mavs? I mean, we know Luke is on it. Do we know who's on it? No, we, we know Porzingis and Tim Hardaway Jr. Okay. It's secret. It wasn't public. Like, uh, like until this all went down, we, nobody yeah. knew. So. Uh, that's amazing. The, the one other name that I noticed as we're talking about Lonnie Walker and uh, Damian Lee, I wanted to say David Lee, is Anthony Simons, who is also kind of showing a similar 
set of stats, kind of uh, points and threes, maybe not a lot else off the bench. Yeah, he's more of a pure upside play. Uh, just points, threes, uh, has never been a good steal block guy. Um, his assists are a little lacking. He's not necessarily a true point guard, but they did say that this is basically Simon's make or break year for Portland. They really want to get him going. Uh, but there's actually one more name that if I'm going to take a flyer on, it's Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, had a monster game versus Milwaukee. Played well against uh, sorry, yeah, uh, Giannis. Uh, really good uh, playmaker for a position. Elite rebounder. High field goal percentage. And one of the best steal rights in the NBA. What do you think, Steve? Uh, it's interesting because he burned us so bad last yeah. year. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season, we, we were like, Jared Vanderbilt's going to be the guy. Uh, but, you know, they started Vando the other day, and that could stick. Uh, and I like the fact that McDaniels is still starting alongside him. That gives uh, Minnesota a big front court. They've got a true big three on that team. And Vando could be – he could be fun. Like, I'm very – as Matt and I like to say, I'm very intrigued, and he appears to be extremely serviceable. Minnesota plays three games this week. Uh, going back to Anthony Simons real quickly, I was in my car backing out of my driveway yesterday, and my son comes running out the front door, runs runs to the car, and I roll down the window. I'm like, what's up, buddy? He's like, dude, did you hear? And I said, what? He goes, Damian Lillard got traded to the Pelicans. And I'm like, are you serious? And I pick up my phone and I just start, I just start typing. And he's like, stop, stop. Don't do anything. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it was, uh, it was amazing. Dame wow. Wow. Before that happens. Anthony Simons reminds me of that because if Dame does get traded somewhere, Simons is going to be the man, but I don't think Dame's going anywhere. By the way, as for Vanderbilt and uh, Jaden McDaniels, is basically Matisse Thibel right now. I, yeah. I couldn't help but notice he's averaging three and a half points around six boards, one point three steals, one point eight blocks. Uh, a strangely disappointing and thrilling start at the same yeah. time for preseason sleeper Jaden McDaniels. Yeah, absolutely. No scoring. Uh, I, I did hear Chris Finch say he wants him to start attacking the glass more, so maybe he can become like a a ten rebound with those steals and blocks. That'd be cool. But yeah, disappointing right. uh, offensive like, upside so far. Like a modern, a uh, modern day or new era Ben Wallace, perhaps. There you go. <laughs> uh, he did have three points, eleven rebounds, a three, and a block in his last game. These are some strange stat lines. I, I encourage you to go look at that Jaden McDaniel's game log. He's still above his ADP by a mile, though, because of those defensive categories weigh so much. Like he's still actually outperforming, yep. which is crazy. Uh, all right, guys. Any final thoughts? Final streamers? Final pickups? Piece of wisdom before we get out of here. I think we're ignoring the elephant in the room, maybe two elephants in the room. Uh, people listening to this probably want to know, would we cut Chris Boucher or keep Chris Boucher? And I think we can ask the same question about Kevin Porter Jr. Like, what do you do with these guys? Jonas, are you keeping Boucher? Are you dropping him? What are you doing with KPJ? I'm going to hold both. Uh, let's start with Boucher because I don't think there's a single player in the waiver wire right now that has his per minute upside. So um, he actually has a pretty reasonable contract. So even if Siakam comes back and just buries Boucher, like he doesn't play at all, I think there's a very real scenario in which Boucher is traded, honestly. But after KPJ, I think instead of like just giving up on him, I think you just need to embrace a punt, right? Uh, punt one or two categories and just go all in on a punt because you can still optimize them into a top 75 player at his current stat set. Yeah, I think it's way too soon to cut KP. I think cutting KPJ or Boucher, you just, 
you got to be really careful, kind of just to to agree with what Jonas said. You got to be really careful to cut guys who have that kind of upside. And yeah, two. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to sneeze. Um, it's <laughs> it's early. Oh, stop! It's it's early on. Uh, it's early on. That never happens. That never happens that during awesome. these podcasts. God, that was like almost my first right career podcast <laughs> sneeze. Weird stuff. I normally only sneeze when I walk out in the sun. Does that happen to you guys? Like your eyes dilate really fast and then you sneeze? Yeah. Since you're, since you're working out some issues over there, Matt, I will throw my two cents in. I think my answer on Boucher is if I'm in an eight or ten team league, he's gone. I'm, I'm dropping Boucher. Also, on a side note, I've been calling Chris Boucher Chris Bosch. Uh, I wrote it down in dose last night. I also said it to Roth. So if wow. I call him Chris Bosch, just 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 smack me. But I think if you're in a small league, you drop Boucher and move on because this is it's clear that Nick Nurse does not like him, and I, I just don't think things are going to go well as long as Nick Nurse is coaching the Raptors. I think if you're in a 12 team league and your team is dying because of Chris Boucher, then you think about dropping him and moving on. Like Jonas said, that's really dangerous. I'm not recommending that people drop Chris Boucher, but I think um, if your team is off to a terrible start and he's an anchor that's holding you down, you got to, you got to think about it at least. Um, and if you're in a for 13, 14 team league, you never think about dropping Boucher is where I am. And I think there's a chance yeah. Nick nurse with this bad start that the Raptors have gotten off to. I don't know that Nick nurse is, I don't know these untouchable as far as his job goes in Toronto, but uh, I think the, I would like to see Chris Boucher be traded because like you said, when Pascal Siakam comes back, I mean, if we're seeing Boucher get minutes this low already, what's going to happen when Siakam gets there? It doesn't look good, but I mean, hang on to him if you can. Yeah. There's not a single player we talked about today that I'd have over Boucher right now. So I think that says a lot. And Scotty Barnes, I mean, is another obstacle for Boucher because that Siakam comes back. It's not like, I don't think Barnes is, is leaving that rotation, you know, I think Barnes is still going to get plenty of minutes the way he's played and and with the draft capital they have invested in him and his versatility, I think Barnes is going to be on the floor. So that's another obstacle for Boucher. And I just said, don't drop him. But then I just gave another reason for why his outlook is bleak. So <laughs> we can all try to figure that out. Last year, there was at least hope because he'd play like five minutes and 18 minutes and then he'd play 30 and go off and have a big line. And then he'd have a decent game and then he'd go back down and bottom out, you know, for another 10 days. And then he'd do something... To, to wake us all up and make us happy again. But I mean, we haven't seen anything good from Boucher and we're two weeks into the season basically. So I'm, I'm extremely concerned. I mean, we're two weeks into the season, but we're also only two weeks into the season. Correct. It doesn't take a lot for Chris Boucher to produce value. So that is correct. The, the one other thing I'll say is as far as a guy who did not qualify for Jonas's waiver wired column, but I am noticing he is, has been dropped in some Yahoo leagues, and I can imagine people getting a little impatient, is Alperin Shangun, who's now at 52% rostered. Uh, six, that's 6% down in the last week, according to Yahoo. This is a guy who, look, Houston's bad. It's going to turn to development eventually. Daniel Tice is really the only guy standing in his way. Shangun, I think in like 18 minutes a game, is averaging 2.4 steals. 2.4 steals, 0.6 blocks. Yeah. And... Uh, this is a this is a monster in the making for the latter part of the season. I in no way would I be trying to drop Alperin Shangun, and in every way would I be trying to get him on every roster I can right now while he's not playing a lot. And whoever has him maybe feels the same way I do, but there's at least a coin flip chance that they don't. 
Yeah. You remember Jokic's end of his rookie year? It's going to be that and better. Because he's further along than Jokic was, honestly, as a rookie. He's further along. Yeah. Steve? You know, I have zero Shingun uh, shares. I haven't messed with him. I'm not all that excited about him this year. I think next year he's going to be a different player. But, Matt, you bring up a really good point that this Houston team is going nowhere, like absolutely nowhere. And Daniel Tice, I mean, we all know who Daniel Tice is, and there's there's nothing new to learn about Daniel Tice and his game, whereas Shangun should be out there playing 30 minutes a night and just wrecking people. So we're only – it's still October. It's not even November yet. So – by Christmas time, he could be he could be crushing. So I, I think um, I think if he was dropped in your league, you got to go get him. All right, that is going to do it for us. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We are here Monday through Friday every week, and every Friday it is this waiver wire podcast. Make sure you check out Jonas's waiver wired column on NBC Sports Edge. That drops every Friday morning. So if you're listening to this, it is already up. We get a little more analysis than you got here. Maybe even more clear analysis than you got here, possibly. I dare I say. Uh, thanks to all of you for listening and watching with us. Jonas, Steve, thanks, guys. I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Thanks, Matt. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.